Good morning, Kenichiwa and G'day. My name is Tom Murphy and I'm honored to bring you episode six of the Tokyo's 2020 podcast. Yet again, I'm joined by our resident sailing expert, Ollie Lemke. Hi, Ollie. How did you enjoy today's action? Tommy Guns, mate, what a day. One of our most successful days in Olympic history. So much to unpack. Looking forward to getting into it. Absolutely. And uh, joining Ollie tonight again is Mr. Alex Van Arnholt. Now, what caught your eye today, Al? Rigato for the kind introduction there, Tom. Lots to catch the eye today, but I think, uh, like most people attest to, that Ariana Titmus or the Titters, we so lovingly call her here on the show, uh, taking out another, another massive gold medal. It's pretty tough to go past that one, isn't it? Definitely. Um, again, we'll be starting off the show on a lighter note, um, and we just got an opening question. So I pose this to you, boys. If you had to compete in one sport at your current fitness levels, what would you enter? Now, let's assume you're, uh, you're trying to get the best finish you can. So better than last, let's say. How much uh, lead-in have we got? How much training? Absolutely none. You're on the plane to Tokyo <laughs> tomorrow. So I'll start with you, Al. Yeah, look, probably the sport I've played most in the last couple of years that's an Olympic one would be table tennis. You used to have one in the office there at William Hill. RIP, the great company. So I definitely say that. Um, first of all, don't need a massive engine to have a go. And then if the worst came to worst and I was knocked out in the preliminary rounds, I'd have a couple of weeks to explore the, the city I was uh, in the Olympics in. How about yourself, Ollie? Mate, as Tom's already pointed out, I'm the uh, resident nautical expert of the uh, Tokyo's 2020 podcast. So I think it'd be remiss of me not to go with sailing. Did a little bit of sailing up in my youth up on uh, the Ballina River. And uh, I can't say I know all that much, but I reckon if I was teamed up with the right person in the men's 49er, say my boy, Matthew Wern, I reckon we could get a job done. Tom? <laughs> um, yeah, look, I've actually gone um, for race walking. Now I've, um, I've managed to, you know, get a few Ks in the legs in the lockdown. And it's just about the only thing we can do at the moment. So I feel like, um, I'll pack my runners straight on the plane and I'm in with a shot of uh, finishing the race anyway. So don't know how I'd go after that, but I don't think I'd be getting a, uh, a card for lifting both my feet off the ground at the same time because I wouldn't be moving that fast. I've seen, anyway. I've seen you walk, Tom. You barely get your feet off the ground, so I don't think that would be a big problem for you. Anyway, on to the, uh, on to the recap of today's event. So this morning, it was a little later start with the uh, triathlons out of the way. So we had the rowing B finals in the, in the uh, women's double skull. So we had Amanda Bateman and Tara Rigney uh, competing there. They finished in seventh place. So that's their campaign finished. Then at 10, we had the beach volleyball in the preliminary rounds for the blokes with Chris McHugh and Damian Schumann who unfortunately went down to the Spaniards and they will also be heading home. Um, at the same time, we had our favourite sport, gents, the women's trap, the qualifying rounds uh, with Letitia Scanlon and Penny Smith. Now, um, they had a good start today. They actually ended up finishing in fifth and sixth place respectively. So not a bad spot at all. Um, and then, you know, at 10.50, the uh, first of the gold rush uh, began. So down at the shipping lane, we had the women's four of Lucy Stephan, Rosemary Popper, Jessica Morris and Annabelle McIntyre. And what a race that was. I know both of you boys were watching very intently. 
um, and it was just an outstanding race. They were in control from the get-go uh, and they managed to hang on for that gold um, despite a fast finishing, finishing Dutch crew. Now, this is the first time this event is featured in the Olympic program since 92 when the Canadians took it out. So outstanding achievement for the girls to uh, get us gold there and start off what was to be in a very memorable morning. Yeah, well, I saw quite a few uh, of my my followers on Instagram or people I follow on Instagram were down at Bondi and Coogee this morning checking out the golden hour in the sky. I was waiting for the 11 a.m. till 12 p.m. time slot there for the golden hour of Australian sport. We were absolutely raining medals and luckily enough, we got three golds in that time period and it was truly a terrific morning that will uh, long, live long in the memory. Then we had the men's four with Alex Purnell, Spencer Turin, Jack Hargraves, a friend of the show, and Alex Hill. And uh, the boys ended uh, the British stranglehold on the event. Uh, they've won it back to 96 in Atlanta, which featured the awesome foursome. And, uh, you know, James Tonkins crowned these guys uh, the new era of the awesome foursome. And that was an outstanding race. They, um, they led from the get-go. They really took it to the Brits and they, and they broke them early on. And, um, you know, despite the Romanians and the Italians who came home hard at the end, they were able to hang on. And just interestingly, I read an article just before um, that in the last 100 metres of the race, Spencer Turin was yelling Raiders in homage to the NRL team. So I don't know what you can make of that. I mean, whatever gets you over the line and wins that gold medal, but good, good on the boys. Well, I don't know if the Raiders would bring very good omens. They haven't won the comp since 1989, I believe. Well, well, certainly aren't going any good this year, but got the boys' uh, first bow ball past the line in the 2K, so that's all that matters. Absolutely. Uh, Just as an amateur uh, rugby league historian there, Ollie, I believe it's 1994 was the last Raiders premiership. Sorry to pull you up on that. But no, that's okay, mate. A long, a long time, nonetheless. I went out on a limb. <laughs> Ollie, Ollie will edit this out of the podcast anyway. Um, then we had the men's quad uh, with Jack Cleary, Caleb Antle, Cam Gerdelson and Luke Letcher. And I, I said on the show last night, I think they'd be very uh, happy with a medal. And they that's in what they did indeed. They came home with the bronze. Um, the Dutch, you know, I said last night, they were a very slick crew and they were far too strong for the competition. And the Brits came out well too, coming in second. But a great achievement for the lads, um, which, you know, just kept the momentum going. And the uh, the women followed suit, Rhea Thompson, Rowena Meredith, Harriet Hudson, and Caitlin Cronin. Um, they finished behind the Chinese in the polls, but, you know, they capped off what was an outstanding morning in the shipping lane, two golds, two bronzes. And, um, you know, it's just a real return on investment for a rowing program that's been heavily invested in in the last four or five years. So how good's that? Unbelievable. One of the great days in Australian rowing. It's good to see. That's it. And then uh, we move on to the pool. So, Ollie, I think you had that pretty well covered. Yeah, so straight up, straight off the back of the rowing, I didn't even get time to catch your breath. It was a tit up against Ledeck, as we previewed last night. And it lived up to the billing, but it wasn't Ledeck who was giving uh, her, who gave the tit the most worries. It was uh, Sibian Horgie from Hong Kong and Canadian Penny Alexa Um So she was going, Penny obviously won the, uh, I think the 100 meter butterfly the other night, was it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so she was going for a second goal to the games. Um, the tip left herself with a lot of work to do uh, heading into the last 100. 
she absolutely flew home to finish out the top of the other two. Um, and I dare I say it, lad, she's giving Susie O'Neill a real run as the uh, ultimate darling of the pool. Just uh, outstanding to watch her get interviewed. Um, and she's become a real favourite of the Australian public. Oh, mate, with the 800 um, heats to come tomorrow and the 4 by 200 girls into the final without her tonight, um, she's, to be honest, she's looking like she could match Thorpe's heroics at Sydney 2000, um, especially that sort of 200-400 double, like, absolutely great. So I don't think Thorpe did that. I think he lost to Van and Hoogan, man, at Sydney. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just it's been a tremendous game since I think she's only twenty as well. So who knows what's in store in the future? The girl from Tassie. Um, and then we moved on to the women's fifteen hundred, which was um, Ledecky backing up. Impressive effort. Uh, just an hour later, um, she took the gold. Um, no luck for Aussies. Kaya Maleviton and Maddie Go Goff. No related relation to Darren, the English fast bowler. Thank God. Um, so, yeah, his first goal for Ledecky of the uh, games. And um, she'll be looking to back that up in the 800, which the Heats kick off tomorrow. And that's we'll preview that later the, tonight. Uh, the men's 4 by 200 metre freestyle relay. We've been building it up all week because the Aussies been a bit of a dark horse. The Brits were just far too good. Um, it was a decent nudge from the Aussies. Um, they did finish up with their first swimming medal of the games for the men. Um, finishing in third, so they nabbed the bronze. Tom Neal, he swam the anchor and actually got the fastest split of the Aussie men. Impressive from the 19-year-old, 144.73. Interestingly enough, was the third fastest time across the whole event. Um, so hats off to you, Tommy. He actually took my uh, cousin to the year 12 formal last year. So it uh, looks like he's got a big fit future in the pool, but I've got an eye on you, Tommy. Just look out, mate. I'd be scared of you, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so out of the pool, we went into the ring and we had the uh, women's featherweight um, with Sky Nicholson up against Ardingstall from uh, Great Britain. And this, this was actually on this afternoon. I think the actual the card started at 12, but her fight was on a little bit later on and I watched it. And um, it was quite a heartbreaking result for Sky who was in control for a part of the fight um, and went down in a split decision, um, which is quite unfortunate given that she would have had high hopes to medal in this event. And had she won there today, she would have been in with a, a good shot at um, the gold. Uh, and then we had the women's middleweight uh, where Caitlin Parker went down to the Panamanian Athena Bylan. So she obviously channeled her in a Roberto Duran to win that matchup. Uh, then we had the judo at midday with Aoife Coughlin, uh, who won 10 nil over Kanawa Birabo from Kiribati in the round of 32. However, she was eliminated in the round of 16 by a German compatriot. Uh, that was in the women's 70 kilo division. Um, and then at half 12, we had the cycling in the women's time trial. Unfortunately, we didn't have much luck here. Uh, with none of our competitors really featuring high up the board. Then back to the shipping canal at one o'clock for the rowing semis. Um, and I did say yesterday that both these um, pairs, the men's and the women's, would, would be in with a decent shot. Um, but unfortunately for Sam Hardy and Josh Hicks, 
Uh, today wasn't to be their day. They finished up in a disappointing fourth, missing out on the A final by about three seconds. So the top three went through in that semi. And then similarly in the women's pair, um, our golden girls, Annabelle McIntyre and Jessica Morrison, they finished up in fourth, only 0.4 of a second behind the Canadians who finished in third. Um, so they'll prog progress through the B final. It would have been great to see how far these two could have gone had they been fresh. So keeping in mind they had just won that gold medal not long before this. So it would have been great to see, you know, how they would have gone in that final uh, in a couple of days' time with fresh legs. Uh, and then following those two events, we had the, both the men's and the women's eight in the repper charge, um, and both crews uh, managed to qualify through to the final. So the top four from each of those rep charge races went through and they both placed fourth. So they've got quite a daunting pro prospect now in the A final, but, you know, an, an outstanding achievement nonetheless to make it this far. And just like, just so I suppose our listeners understand in terms of sweep rowing, so when you're only using one oar in both the, the Aussie and men's and women's teams, you know, the top four sweep, the top six sweep rows essentially in the men and the top four sweep rows in the women are, are in the four or the pair. So, you know, the, the eight, while it's considered, you know, maybe the top uh, of the sport in some capacities, our best rowers weren't, you know, competing in that. So I guess that's probably a reason why we haven't gone as well there as we had in the four. And after the rowing, we had a bit of men's sailing, um, which Ollie will actually get to in tomorrow's preview as there are a number of uh, competitors doubling up there. Uh, following that, we had the women's C1 slalom heat. So Jess Fox, who won that bronze there a couple of days ago, or last night rather, she's qualified fifth fastest. So she'll be back in the white water for the semis and hopefully the final tomorrow. So that'll be definitely one to watch for our listeners then we had Ash Barty and Storm Sanders uh, in the doubles, who unfortunately went down to in a tie break. Uh, and also Sam Stozer and Perez eliminated, eliminated by a Swiss pairing tonight. So unfortunately, that's both of our women's doubles team out of the mix. Dare I say that was the curse of Van Arnholt, who tipped them both to make the final last night. Yeah, I think I also tipped the 4 by 2 men's freestyle relay. So not a, not a great night for me, but... Luckily, luckily, I didn't pun any of them, so not, the damage was minimised. <laughs> Whatever you say, Al. Um, and we also had our Eshe. Well, unfortunately for Harry Garside, our, uh, our Eshe representative from Melbourne, he, his fight was rescheduled um, for a couple of days' time, so he'll have to hold back on the staunch uh, and urch on Friday. Um, then we had this afternoon, one of the big events of the week, the men's cycling time trial. Now, Rowan Dennis, as I think Al alluded to last night, he was a highly favoured, uh, he's a highly favoured um, time trialist and he actually claimed bronze in this event. Now, I was watching this this afternoon and for anyone that doesn't watch the time trial, it's actually quite an exciting event. Uh, where it's seeded, so you're like kind of your, your best riders, they finish last and you're looking for how far ahead they can get in the splits. And unfortunately for Rowan, he, he did finish, he, he finished third and uh, he had a couple of riders left to come through. Fortunately, they were a touch slower, so he remained on the podium. But uh, the Slovenian bloke was absolutely outstanding. Did you manage to catch that, Bert? I did actually, yeah. 
um, he was about the only rider to sort of really hit the line strongly, um, to use a horse racing term there. So, so the Slovenians have become a bit of a world force in cycling, along with the Colombians in recent years, which are two interesting countries. Um, Seems to be that way. Yeah, there must be something in the water up in the mountains of Slovenia. And then this, tonight uh, we had a much-awaited clash. The Boomers had their much-awaited clash with Italy. How did you see that happen, Al? Yeah, well, this is this is one I've had marked on the calendar since the start of the Olympics, Tommy. Uh, boys were actually a bit slow early on tonight, sort of struggled to find their rhythm early. Um, but they were, fought back well. They really they just absolutely bombed the Italians on the rebounds. Landale, uh, Jock Landale, Nick Kane, Aaron Baines dominated the glass. I think we had 44 rebounds to 30, and those boys all chipped in nicely with, with a few points as well. I think they're all between 14 and 15 points. Paddy Mills wasn't his shooting best going two from nine from beyond the arc, but he still put up some big numbers showing he can't keep a champion down. So we ended up taking that one out, 86-83, probably reflected quite well on the Italians who were chasing and fouling us in the last couple of minutes. Uh, but now we move on to the Germans looking to secure that top seed in the group and hopefully an easier run to the goal. And the Germans had a win over, the, over Nigeria, is that correct? Yes, I think Nigeria looked like they've probably expen- ex- uh, expended all their energy in that famous pre-tournament victory against the Yanks. So um, a, a, quite a disappointing campaign by them so far. So, the, But the Germans will still be a challenge? Yeah, they've got a couple of NBA players led by Mo Wagner. They're not, not the strongest team like the, uh, the French, the Italians, the Spanish and um, the Luka Doncic-led Slovenians look to be the biggest European threats at this Olympics. So, Doncic would... with 48 points the other night, just casually. Yeah, absolute freak, that bloke. 31 in the first half. Proving he's got no problem shooting the molten. Yeah. So, all then we were uh, in, the, in the rugby stadium, and we had a few finals, but we'll spend most of our time on uh, Fiji and New Zealand in the gold medal match. How did you see that? Yeah, mate. Outstanding scenes at Tokyo Stadium. Uh, just a joy to watch the Fijian rugby team. They were too good for New Zealand. New Zealand played really well, but they were just too fast, too big, too skillful, running out 27 to 12 winners in the end. Um, so that's New Zealand, uh, Fiji's second ever medal, um, following their gold in Rio in the same event. Um, funnily enough, Jared Hayne thought he could waltz into this team five years ago. Now these guys are back-to-back gold medalists and Jared's making number plates in the can. So there you go. And uh, just as a little segue on from uh, the rugby there tonight, we had a question from one of our very loyal listeners, um, Jack Redden. And he just said, a couple of bones to beat with the rugby sevens. Firstly, the coverage. How does an Aussie quarterfinal blockbuster against gold medalist Fiji? So that's referencing last night get shafted over to seven mate over a couple of swimming heats i may be a big rugby tragic and the aussies may have copped a touch up but i still feel that deserves prime coverage secondly the spider cam footage i'm not sure what you guys think but all it's done for me is given me a headache and left me completely confused of what is actually happening in the game now i read that how it was written so if it didn't sound like it was very grammatically correct uh, or the syntax was wrong please Blame Jack, not my ability to read. Um, I guess, look, first question, uh, the coverage, the seven coverage. Look, we've probably covered that a little bit already. We're not the biggest fan, particularly how they handle the main channel and what gets priority. Um, I don't know. Do you guys see it the same way? 
Yeah, Absolutely. they were shocking again today. I thought there was one point where the um, women's skulls were rowing for a medal, and they had the um, Caleb Dressler in the hundred meter heat. It wasn't even Aussie racing, and uh, they cut the skulls to put that on. Just rubbish. Uh, probably a little bit more at play there, I reckon, with the rugby not being on the um, the main channel though, with their uh, tribal channel nine um, pinching the rights earlier this year. So maybe a little bit of politics in play. My biggest gripe with Channel 7 is the 7 Plus app or the desktop, um, the web page. KO has seamlessly, we know KO is not famous for having the best quality of vision or um, or the, being the most reliable streamer, but the split screen, boys, there's 30-odd sports on every day, 30-odd events. Um, give us what we want, split screen. Um, just even now, we've got the beach volleyball on the Ollie Roos as we're going to air, so... Um, I've got to, got to choose between two of my loves. Yeah. Well, I hope Channel 7, I hope you're listening. Um, and then I guess following on from that, the spider cam footage, I know in the Twitter sphere that uh, the rugby the rugby fans were not happy with the spider cam footage. Um, I think I sent on a tweet to you blokes last night from uh, Drew Mitchell basically saying, you know, even if you have the toys, you don't need to use them. Uh, I tend to agree. I mean, I was watching that final there tonight and it's just, I mean, it's kind of cool, but it's just not how we're used to watching rugby, nor do I think it's the way it should be watched. I think for uh, highlights, you know, highlighting a try or, um, a, you know, a big moment in the game, I don't have an issue for it. But in terms of real-time coverage, I'd much rather just a side-on view um, or even trialling an end-on view like in Rugby 08. Um, that was my favoured way to play the game. Don't know about you, blokes. Triangle, right. Yeah, no, I was, chip I, kick. I think, I think it was um, broadcast was the alternate camera angle in Rugby 08 that was quite popular, but I was an end-to-end fan as well. I also think just on that, you can't put all of the blame on Channel 7. There. Obviously, there'd be the yeah, official yeah. Olympic footage providers or whatever, but... Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it in any sport. I don't mind it sort of giving you a, a panoramic view of the stadium before the game or um, celebrating afterwards. But when the game's on, we want to watch the game. We don't want to watch um, your, your fucking fancy camera angles. I know we've kicked, put the boot into Channel 7 a lot here, but another one of my gripes with them I might just add is they've sent hardly any reporters over or any commentators. And um, I feel, saw Phil Lutton from the Courier Mail the other day saying that almost every other country's got more representatives there than Australia for um, their TV uh, company. So all their Channel 7 hosts are actually in a studio in Sydney commentating just off a screen, mm. which is leading to some of the um, the gripes we've heard from our, um, our listeners already. Actually, I'm actually not that, that against that. Like, obviously, the COVID's going pretty mad over there and there's some pretty average journos that got a gig over there. I'm not going to name any names there, but I think um, our listeners will have a fair idea who I'm talking about. So um, I think cost-cutting, you know, saving their saving their employees from go, for going over there for a couple of weeks' work and then having two weeks in quarantine as well. I mean, they can do the job um, in both places and I'm sure by, hopefully by the next Olympics they'll be able to head over. But I think that's just... Um, Victims of the pandemic. Fair, fair point. So, Lem, then uh, you watched the hockey ruse and tonight. How, how, what did you think of that game? Yeah, look, they're a little bit rusty. Um, not as good as they were against China yesterday, where they won six 0 But they scraped home against the host nation Japan one 0 
Um, Maddie Fitzpatrick, the goal scorer, uh, she's a good story. She was uh, missed the squad initially, uh, picked as a trainer to um, just warm up the girls in a pre-Olympic camp and impress the coach so much that when someone unfortunately went down for injury, she sort of jumped the pecking order and she got the goal today and um, was able to celebrate with her sister Savannah, who's also a member of the team. So big day for the uh, Fitzpatrick family. They roll on. They're undefeated. So good chance there for the Hockey Roos. Yeah, good. Um, and then, as most of our listeners would have watched tonight, we had um, the swimming heats. Um, first cab off the rank was 100-metre freestyle heats featuring Emma McKean and Kate Campbell. Um, yeah, it looked like Emma McKean didn't really have to get out of first gear uh, and she broke an Olympic record in the process. So she's gone through the semis in the fastest and uh, Kate Campbell won her heat and she's also qualified uh, she's qualified fourth fastest for the semi. So real good medal chances with these two girls here. Uh, and I guess I don't really need to speak too much more about them because we're all pretty familiar about their backstories. Uh, then we had the 200 backstroke, the blokes in the 200 backstroke with Tristan Hollard through to the semis. He qualified 10th fastest. So he'll need to improve to make the final. But, you know, if you're in the race, you're in with a chance. Uh, then we had the 200 breaststroke uh, and we had Jenna Strouch and uh, she qualified ninth fastest while Abby Harkin missed out. Um, so Jenna's into that semi. And then we had the men's 200 IM with Mitch Larkham. So he um, also qualified ninth fastest. So he'll have a, do, a bit to do to make it into the final. But uh, watching that heat myself, I thought he had a little bit left in the tank and he, he could empty it out in that semi if need be to get that all-important qualifying spot into the final. And then the final event in the pool tonight was the uh, four by two, the women's 4x200-metre relay. And I, <clears throat> no surprises that the girls absolutely blew it out of the water there, um, even without you know some of their stars. So we you know won pretty much in a canter. Um, and, you know, we're going to that final tomorrow, a very, very good um, gold medal chance. Yeah, and speaking of medals, if the Oli Roos are wanting to be any chance, uh, obviously th- this will be all be over by the time it's this goes to air tonight and our listeners are listening in the morning, but the Oli Roos are in a bit of trouble here. They're down 1-0 to the, uh, to the Egyptians with 11 minutes left. Um, so that would see us go out in the group stage. So fingers crossed the boys can jag a late equaliser or, or even a couple to send us through. Absolutely. A disappointing way to go out yeah, um, after that big win against Argentina. Showing a lot of promise there early on, but you know this would be very disappointing. But hopefully in the next 11 minutes, we can see um, an equaliser. Uh, and, you know, at, also, as we speak, we've got the beach volleyball um, with Mariaf Artacho del Sola and Taliqua Clancy uh, looking up to back up their big first round win against the Italians. Uh, so they're on as we speak. Hopefully, when we come to you tomorrow, that they've had a win. And Good news on they, that one, just quickly, Tom. They've, yeah. they've won the first set. They won the first set 22-20, so a nail-biter, and they're up 15-12 in the second set. So that would be great to see. Uh, scenes reminiscent of Podast and the uh, what's it? Who was the other one in Sydney with Podast? Uh, uh, Natalie Cook. Natalie Cook knew you, knew you were good for something, Ollie. It's <laughs> <laughs> not pronouncing names, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Lem, uh, you've got a little bit of a preview of the hockey tonight, which will also, which is currently on as well, the, the Cookers. Yeah, it's on now. It's um, a one all. So it's into the second, uh, they do thirds or quarters? Quarters. Quarters in, into the second quarter. Just started the second quarter. So uh, hopefully the Cookers can keep their run going. That's it. Uh, Al, you've got a bit of an update for us on the New Zealand medal tally. Yeah, just speaking about the New Zealanders there, um, obviously it was great to see the Fijians beat them today. I'd probably go for New Zealand over the Brits, um, the, the Yanks, the Chinese and the Russians. That's probably about it. So I just thought I'd give our loyal listeners a list of sporting powerhouses that the Kiwis are currently behind having not won a gold medal. So that reads out Uzbekistan, Thailand, the Philippines, Ecuador, Bermuda with 60,000 people, Estonia, Tunisia, Hong Kong, Slovenia, Romania, and Chinese Taipei. So for any New Zealand listeners out there, um, hopefully it doesn't get any better for you because gold's an Aussie colour and that's what we love to see. Well, I, I did see on our uh, Spotify metrics that we had a New Zealand one, maybe one or two New Zealand listeners. So we've all but effectively lost them. Uh, <laughs> perhaps no great loss, but won't do our numbers any good. Um, and now we'll move on to a preview of tomorrow's events. Um, tomorrow morning, 8.30, we've got the men's golf at Kasu Migaseki Golf Country Club. So we've got Cam Smith and Mark Leishman representing us there um and i had kind of cast my eyes over the uh the golf uh draw tonight in terms of who was lining up for the men and it's a pretty strong field you know the yanks have got xander shoffle colin marikawa um patrick reed and justin thomas so you know four of the best there plus a sprinkling of you know very good players across the other countries so cam and mark will uh do well to get on the get on the podium there but you know it, golf's one of those games i guess where anything can kind of happen and it's uh given it's over the four days you know and the weather is inclined to go up and down who knows what could happen we've also got the b finals tomorrow of the men's the rowing in the men's and women's pairs i spoke about before plus we've got at 10 o'clock the shooting the women's 25 meter pistol qualification so we have elena Galia Bovic, I hope I got that right to any of our Serbian listeners out there. In And then the women's trap qualification uh, with Letitia Scanlon and Penny Smith backing up after their success today where they finished fifth and sixth. Um, then we have the shooting um, with in the men's trap for qualif- qualification day two. That's James Willett and Thomas Grice. So they're sitting 15th and 24th respectively after day one. Then in, at 11 o'clock, we've got the BMX, the men's quarterfinal. Uh, so that's round one. We've got Anthony Dean and the women's quarterfinal. We've got Lauren Reynolds and Saya Sakakibara. Um, so I believe we're in pretty decent shot there with the, um, the men's BMX. And I'll tell you what, that is, a, that is a very, very much a spectator's event. It's great viewing. Um, so if you can get yourself close to a telly or a computer tomorrow, make sure you tune in. Then we've got our Golden Girls from last Olympics kicking off their campaign with the Sevens. Um, They've got their first game up against Japan and their second game against China tomorrow. So fingers crossed they can go two from two there and uh, begin their campaign and their quest for gold 
on the right note. Now, our, at 11.30, we've got some big, big swimming finals. Um, how do you see them going down? Yeah, and just before we get to the action in the pool tomorrow, Tommy, it looks like the Oli Roos have just conceded a second goal. So that's a hugely disappointing one to concede, and it looks like that'll be the end of their campaign. Uh, coming to an end, an earlier end than we anticipated after that huge opening result against the Argies. Uh, but in better news, we are back off to the pool in the morning, and what, a, what an Olympics it's been for us in the pool so far. First cap off the rank, we've got Jack McLaughlin backing up from his 400 metres silver in the 800 metres freestyle. Jack qualified six fastest and, and skipped the 200 metre um, relay today, so hopefully he's fighting fit tomorrow. Mikhail Romanchuk, though, from Ukraine looks the favourite and looks to be terribly hard to beat. Um, more optimistically, we've got Zach Stubblety Cook, and um, Ollie will touch on Zach a little bit later in the show and what's a, a show first, but um, he was actually the fastest qualifier in the men's 200 metre breaststroke. We actually haven't won this event since the famous Ian O'Brien victory at the Tokyo Games in 1964. So hopefully history can repeat itself here and we see Australia's first male gold in the pool for these games and our first male uh, victory in the 200 metres breaststroke since 1964. Uh, then in probably a similar story to Jack McLaughlin, Brianna Thrussell qualified six fastest in the women's 200 metre butterfly. Obviously a medal not out of the equation, but it's not looking too promising. And then last of all, we've got the men's 100-meter freestyle. Uh, that's, this is one I know we've all been looking forward to. We've got the, uh, one of our favorites on the show here, King Kyle, up against Caleb Dressel, which is going to be an absolute showdown. Um, we're, not, we're not going to sort of mention Dressel too much, but Chalmers was a bit flat in his semi today, so hopefully we can put that down to him keeping a bit of petrol in the tank for his leg in the 4 by 200 meters final that followed. But uh, we saw King Kyle with that famous victory at Rio, so... Fingers crossed he can uh, replicate that and um, follow up another gold from um, Zach Subbley Cook with his own. And I think that's about it for the swimming tomorrow. I've got a bit on. So it's about the midway point of the sailing. The finals sort of kick off next Sunday. Um, and Sunday, Monday, Tuesday next week. So they've got two races in the mixed NACRA for Jason Waterhouse and Lisa Darmanian. Uh, they're currently in a tie for second after 11th and third place finish in today's two races. So they're going strong. The women's 470 race three and four for Monique DeVries and Nia Sherwood. They are sitting ninth after a sluggish start today. Uh, Martha Stransky in the women's laser radial uh, race seven and eighth. She's currently in 17th. Uh, the Phillips brothers in the men's 49er. They're back for race five and six, um, which were called off um, today, but they're, they're in a three-way tie for third. So that's um, they're in a really good spot there. Um, and then race seven and eight for Matthew Wern. Uh, he had a rest day today, but he sits second overall, nine points off the pace. Um, and then Will Ryan and Matthew Belcher, they got off, they got their campaign off today in the men's 470. And they're actually sitting first overall with race three and four tomorrow. So some good chances of medals there. Um, so it's one to keep an eye on over the next few days. Yeah, plenty of good sailing. And uh, I think, you know, uh, it's probably best for our listeners to maybe watch a bit of the sailing tomorrow because there's not a whole heap from an Australian perspective happening during the day or sort of the early afternoon um, until we get to the women's canoe slalom semi and final. So with our, uh, our, our favourite at the moment, Jess Fox, so she's qualified fifth fastest for the semi. Um, she's hoping that she can improve and go into that uh, final and win the gold because she's, 
she is, I think, the pre-race favourite or going into the event she was. So fingers crossed she can improve on her bronze in the canoe. In the yeah, in the from the kayak rather. Uh, and then tomorrow night we've got the swimming heats. Um, so we've got the women's 800 freestyle. So we've got the showdown volume three, I guess you could say, with the tit versus Ledeck. Uh, then we've got the men's 100 meter fly with David Morgan and Matthew Temple. The women's 200 meter backstroke, uh, Kaylee McCune, our very favorite fuck yeah queen, and Emily Seabong. So Emily's the uh, sorry, Kaylee's the favorite there, the dollar favorite favorite with um, sports bet. And then we've got the heats of the mixed four by 100 meter medley relay. So that's the first time this is in the Olympics. But for note, uh, we did win this event in the 2019 World Champs. So we were only discussing before the show. We're not entirely sure. Um, the makeup of this team um, for the heats anyway um, or how you would compose a team but you know we should be looking very strong here I imagine the Americans and the Russians will probably also feature quite prominently following or, or whilst the swimming's going on we've also got the men's water polo uh, Australia are playing Serbia there so that'll be another big matchup after their win against Croatia um, and then tomorrow night late again at 10.15, we've got the women's hockey. Uh, so they're playing New Zealand in another Anzac game. So hopefully the boys can get on with it tonight and win well and the girls can back it up tomorrow night. That rounds out uh, Thursday's events. But to finish off the show, we've actually got another, um, got another question from the listeners. Um, so Mikey Mays actually asked, he said, and this is directed specifically at Al, he said, how many multis have you put on this Olympic campaign? So that's one question. And which sports have shown the greatest value? And um, for us fellow armchair punters, uh, apparently that's what I said in episode four. Uh, doesn't surprise me. Would the panel be willing to announce a multi of the day or multi of the week for the thousands of listeners? Sorry, Mikey, hundreds of thousands of listeners, I think you meant, to also jump on and enjoy the returns. Um, so I'll, I'll go to Al first. We will be doing a multi of the day. We will be taking on that feature. Um, but I'll move to Al first. How many multis have you put on? Not a lot of multis. I've been trying to um, snipe a few prices in the swimming there, some to success, some to no success. Um, had a nice little multi lob today with the, the two fours in the rowing, winning the gold, um, as well as the tip. So that was a nice little $4.50 one there. I'm not going to say how much I put on it because it might sort of blow some of our uh, listeners out of the water, um, understanding how much of a degenerate I am. Um, and, uh, what would you say showing the greatest value, which sport? I do think the swimming. I think that there's been... Um, a bit of an overreaction to some of the heats in the semifinals from some of the bookmakers there. They haven't really taken their time to look at the uh, the qualifying times or understanding the, the impact that the COVID's had on the lack of preparations. Um, and, and as such, we've missed a few meets over the last couple of years. So that's probably uh, one out there. Well, there you go, listeners. Uh, put all your JobKeeper money on the swimming. I've actually got a question for Ali. Um, I mean, you sit here and you talk about Titmus being the uh, people's champ and whatnot. True or false, before the 400-metre freestyle, you sent a message to our group chat saying, put all your money on Ledecky. That is not true. That is um, a complete lie. I said 
that my tipster, uh, my swimming tipster, who I'm not going to name for uh, privacy reasons, don't want his accounts to get restricted, said that uh, he was back in Ledecky and that was, that was quickly after he sent me an absolute ripping tip um, of, of Maggie McNeil to win the 100 metres butterfly, which um, I duly got on at 20 to 1. So um, I, I'll keep my winners to myself and my losers for you in future, Ellie. <laughs> <Bit Right. blind. laughs> well, to finish the show, listeners, uh, we will be each contributing one leg to a multi. Uh, and this is through Sports Bet. So, um, you know, take these odds as you will. It was as of 10 30 uh, on Wednesday night. Um, please gamble responsibly. So, Al, you, what have you gone? Well, I've gone for the Olympics' newest sport in the three-by-three basketball. The Serbian team looked like they were waltzing their way to victory um, after going through unbeaten in the group stage, beating every single side. But they actually got flogged in the semi-final today by the Russians twenty-one or the Russian Olympic Committee, I should say, twenty-one to ten. Now the the Russians are playing Latvia tomorrow in the gold medal match. The Russians, famously the home of uh, the original NBA unicorn Kristaps Porzingis, who has sort of gone on to have a career subpar to what they sort of expected. Um, but there, the Russians are, are paying $2.90. So I think after knocking off Serbia in pretty commanding fashion today, that looks like pretty good value for me. Yeah. Like, about yourself, Tommy? I've um, I've actually gone a different track. I've gone uh, Matthew Coward-Holly of Great Britain in the men's trap. Now, you know, as our listeners would know, that is our favourite sport of the Olympics. Um, and he's paying a juicy $5. Now, he's qualified... Um, Equal second, um, there was a number of guys finishing on the same score in the qualification round today. But looking back, he he was the um, world champion in two, 2019 and he also won a couple of events earlier on this year um, in the shotgun championships. Um, so I think he's in with a good shot and it's good value at $5. So tune in there tomorrow in the uh, men's trap final. Now, Ollie, what have you gone? I've gone a bit smaller odds, uh, and I've got a really good feeling about this, but I want to be careful because we have talked before about building up our own Australian athletes too much. I think Zach Stubbledy Cook in the men's 200-meter breaststroke is going to take it out. He's paying a dollar sixty, and it looked like today that he would get the job done. Um, really smooth action. Um, so that's certainly one to watch. That's one of our must-watch events for tomorrow. So chuck that one in your multis, punters. Yeah, well, I hope for the sake of our multi and the sake of Australia uh, that that does come through. As I said, gamble responsibly. Well, folks, that uh, brings an end to episode six of the Tokyo's 2020 podcast. Thanks for making it this far with us, and we look forward to hearing from you via Twitter or email tomorrow and listening to us tomorrow night. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ollie. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Thanks Tommy. Rosello, you're still a coward. <laughs>